0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Hannah, and joining us on the show is Paul Rutherford from Busy Fit Personal Training in Glasgow, Scotland. Welcome to the show, Paul. How are you today?
2: I'm fine, Hannah. Thanks for having me.
1: Yes, I'm super excited to have you on, Um, but before we dive into how you run the business, first tell us a little bit about what made you want to start the facility in the first place.
2: Well, it's quite an easy answer. Uh, When I was at school, uh, I was very unsporty. I wasn't the uh, the fit kid at all, and I found that in gym class, the teacher would literally leave me on the bench rather than include me in any of the team sports because I was so hopeless at sport. I kind of just messed things up. And I remember an occasion where two of the captains of the soccer team actually started fighting each other physically, rather than have me in the team. So the the, the, um, the gym coach just said, "Just stay on the bench. Nobody wants you." Um, and I, and that always kind of stuck with me. So I wanted to, but that made me want to be a gym teacher and never do that to anyone. Yeah. When I started out as a gym instructor, I tried to do my best to help people, and actually found that it was frowned upon. I actually, lost, I actually was sacked from a job, fired from a job for spending too much time helping customers mm-hmm. because you were just supposed to sign them up, take them around another session, see if they wanted to refer a friend, then cast them adrift. Mm-hmm. And that just um, brought back those feelings of sitting on the bench alone and unattended. And I didn't want to do that to anyone else. So I just decided to go alone and here we are quarter of a century later
1: that's amazing yeah kids can be so cool that's terrible I hated PE too as a kid like it was (laughs) terrible I'm like (laughs) my least favorite part of the day every time (laughs) um so give us like your elevator pitch on busy fit personal training how do you describe it and the services that you offer to someone who's never been in before
2: well very often uh people cite being too busy and have got too much going on in their lives and don't can't meet the time commitment to exercise and my thinking is if you're doing absolutely nothing at all then 30 to 40 minutes twice a week is a good start and very often in the fitness industry that information isn't peddled to people they kind of jump straight in and say right you know must commit this time you must commit these resources and it puts a lot of people that are maybe not that way inclined people like myself are not sporty not maybe naturally athletic Um, And maybe a bit nervous. So I try to kind of just encourage people and say, if you do something twice a week, 30, 40 minutes, busy fit, fitting into your busy lifestyle, then that's enough to get the ball rolling and make changes. And it's amazing how many of my clients have made dramatic changes, actually not doing any more than that, just exercising twice a week.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, it's all about changing the mindset and, and getting them to even just 30 minutes twice a week. Like it's enough to change your mindset and get you healthy. So, absolutely. Love that, love that you're making it accessible to even busy people. Um, so, is it mostly one on one training? Is there any kind of like group classes?
2: Completely one to one. Is that my wife says I stack them, pack them, rack them. Um, from five in the morning, I have clients let every uh, half an hour, 40 minutes. And have one in, one out, one in, one out, and it's completely private, one to one. And the, the beauty of that is people get to kind of let their guard down. And it makes it easier from a life coaching perspective, people can open up more. A phrase I always use is that people can't reach the finish line until they find their starting point. And very often people aren't honest enough with themselves to realise where their starting point is. But that's something that people are more inclined to be open about if it's just one-on-one. So that's the beauty of that. And I feel if I have a skill, it's getting people to kind of open up a bit who they really are, what they really want, where they are really at in their life. And that gives us a starting line so we can head in the right direction to get them where they want to go.
1: Definitely. Yeah, I think the psychological part of fitness is often overlooked. Like that's most of it is is that barrier to fitness. You know what's really holding you back from your healthiest self. So that's awesome that you add kind of like a life training spin on it as well.
2: That's really cool. That, for me, that's that's the most important thing. Is to say Scotland isn't particularly a positively fitness minded country, and very often people are set in their ways, and people don't always get the right encouragement. So my I say is my job to get people kind about be honest what their real uh, motivations are for wanting to get in shape, what they want for themselves. And there's a phrase I always use, if you get people to exercise for their health and their happiness, body shape will take care of itself.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I really like that. Um getting back to like the business side of things, how many clients do you have um total in the facility?
2: Me well me me personally, I just have about 20 clients. Um there's about 80 in the facility in total. But for myself, uh, I just have about 18 to 20 clients, and that's a manageable amount for me. I um, only work on uh, kind of a part-time basis now, and I have um, people that uh, rent facilities from me that the times that I'm not there, and they, have, they take clients then as well. So,
1: Gotcha. And then do your trainers kind of go out and source their own clients, or how do you go about marketing? It's a
2: combination of, and they source their own clients, but um, what I do with my, uh, I I use a combination of social media marketing, email marketing, um, Gumtree, which is a kind of a Scottish uh, advertising website that I find very effective. And the leads that um, don't suit my timings, I just pass them down the line. Very often, I'll do the sale and just pass them down the line to appointment slots that I know that uh, the other people work with me have huh?
1: um yeah that's um super cool that you have you know other trainers that can take some of that um from you so tell me about um the social media that you use do you pay for advertising there or is it strictly organic
2: uh, well, most of it's organic through um, Facebook, Instagram, get, I, get, I get quite a lot of traction on Instagram, I have several Instagram pages, and uh, I find that if I do human interest, human interest, human interest, and then, as, as Gary Vernachuk uh, once said, jab, 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 hook, um, and it's a case of I'll put three or four human interest posts out, and then the, the fourth or fifth one will be more targeted towards my business, and then I'll go back and reset it again. And I find that kind of um, gets better leads. Uh, also, as I said, I do some paid advertising on a Scottish website called Gumtree, which is very cheap, and I find that very effective too. It's kind of a, the first place that people go to. It's like mm-hmm. the kind of a, um, first directory that people will kind of search um, after Google uh, in Scotland. So I find that effective too, and that's, that's very cost-effective.
1: Gotcha. Tell me more about what's the um, Scottish kind of marketing tool that you mentioned?
2: Oh, it's not a marketing tool. It's just it's a Scottish uh, advertising website called Gumtree. And I'm not sure they have it globally. I certainly know that they have it all over uh, Europe. And it's just uh, I don't know if this is the right phrase to use (laughs) because it gives the wrong inference. But it's similar to a Craigslist, but not a CD. (laughs) Um, It's uh kind of a modern version of that so it's just a local kind of a advertising site but i found that uh it's, it's something like um nine pounds maybe ten dollars or so an advert uh and the advert will last there for about a fortnight and uh surprisingly good um hit rate from it it really is very effective
1: yeah that's unique um we don't really have something like exactly like that here um, and then you also mentioned email marketing.
2: How do you utilize that? Well, what I, what, one thing I always do is I, I, I find that I get a lot of success targeting golf clubs because golfers are always looking to improve their, their golf stroke. And very often, uh, back body mechanics, mobility are a big factor in that. And kind of a, I've got kind of a pitch that um, I send to local uh, golf clubs. And I always find that very effective. Also, email, always email ex-clients. always do a round robin of that at least twice a year and i usually get um maybe about 15 percent of them coming back one of the problems i have is that clients tend not to leave so i've 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 got somebody who's been coming at um 9 a.m as i say for the past 26 years i've got somebody who's been coming at 7 a.m for the past 17 years so um it's uh, client client retention seems to work quite well purely because the kind of clients I have are the kind of people that maybe think that they could do it themselves, but they would rather not. I guess it's like a massage. You could probably massage yourself, but you probably prefer someone else to do it. Oh, yeah,
1: probably wouldn't go as well. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so, what do you attribute your retention to? Like, how would you describe like your method for keeping people long term?
2: It's not conscious. It's just I kind of a. Uh, I think very often health and fitness, certainly in Scotland, is a, a short-lived thing. It's a case of take a deep breath, jump in for six to eight weeks, forget about it, try again next year. And that's the kind of a merry-go-round that a lot of people find themselves on. The Scottish mindset, in my view, is quite different, um, certainly to America, um, but certainly to a lot of other countries, but it can be quite negative And it's hard to get for people to get support. And what I find just being kind of a um, almost a sounding board for people, being a shoulder to cry on, letting them uh, feel understood, kind of a helping them discover where they're at, at li- in life and what they really want out of life
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, goes a long way f- to get them feel comfortable with me. And I think a lot of the times they think, yes, Paul's getting me fit. Yes, he's helping me with my nutrition. Yes, I'm losing body fat. but psychologically it helps me kind of a, along the way as well and I think that's why a lot of people um are, are quite happy to, to to continue it's not something I go out of my way to find a way to ensnare them and keep them for a quarter of a century it just kind of organically kind of evolves you know
1: yeah definitely I think you're doing a lot of things right right now in the business what are your goals going forward where would you like to see the business in the next maybe couple of years
2: but I, I still quite like the, the gymnasiums to run themselves as efficiently as they are, but I would like to maybe take not a back seat, but be able to become more remote to myself and transition slightly more online because of um, property interests abroad. And It's quite good to be able to travel there more often and um, not worry about my clients being serviced because I say, the kind of a life coaching thing is a big part of it, but what I do. And I feel that if I'm away for a couple of weeks at a time that can suffer a wee bit as as good as the people that work with me are. I do feel that my clients feel a wee bit crestfallen when I kind of leave for a couple of weeks. So uh, as a result of that, I would like to be a wee bit more mobile and that means that I'm going to have to bite the bullet and transition to a slightly more online business in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely. How are you planning to attract people to that more online side?
2: Um, I think uh, Attracting people to, I, I, I'm pretty confident I would be able to get all of my clients over right now. However, I need the framework and the infrastructure to do that. And I don't, <laughs> I need to um, get uh, the right website, the right platform, the right integrations um, for it to be kind of a one touch uh, easy fix for my clients to be able to log in and instantly rather than just. Let's fumble about with Zoom and see what we can do with that. I need something um, a bit more efficient than that and designed a bit better. Client-wise, I, as I say, I, I'd be happy with like, 15 to 20 clients online. But my, my fees are such that that's a good living for me if I do that. So, um, and overheads it would be minimal. Um, so, no, I, that. Uh, for me personally, I mean, obviously, it's still like the clients to be serviced at the gymnasium uh, when I, in my absence. But uh, for me and on online, it's not a big ask. And I suspect most of my clients that I have in situ would follow of transition. If I was to transition completely online and I had the infrastructure to do that right now, I'm pretty sure they would just all move. It. Yeah,
1: that's exciting. Do you have any systems right now that you use online to keep track of your current clients or you're
2: using you're, use, you're using it zoom <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and it's, it's it's very basic very inefficient and and it's fine and it would probably be fine for most of my current clients however i need something uh, a bit more glamorous to attract potential new clients I can't just say uh here's a zoom link meet me there i need obviously um a better designed website with these things properly integrated um, uh to make it a bit more appealing to clients that I don't yet have
1: yeah definitely how do you keep track of you know appointments and keep in touch with your trainers what do you guys use to communicate in that way
2: um well uh, in terms of keep in touch with the trainers it's either just by cell phone or zoom again Uh, largely by cell phone uh, I have to say and sometimes whatsapp in terms of my clients um it's pretty much whatsapp all the way and uh, as I say, I see them twice a week and uh, invariably any questions they have in between usually pop up on my WhatsApp and then I just, I'll phone them or video call them. Sometimes a text or, or a WhatsApp message is all that's required. Um, a, a simple yes or no answer to a question. But if I, if I feel a wee bit more dialogues required then I'll just video call them and, and do that. But uh, nothing, nothing special, just the, using the basics.
1: Yep. Awesome. I love that. How do you stay organized? Like as a business owner, you mentioned you're a dad with grown kids, but how do you keep, you know, your life and your business organized?
2: Um, Well, for me, planning is the key. I I routine and structure. Um, I keep things as simple as possible. Every day I do the same routine when I get up in the morning. And I know that if I don't, then it all falls apart. But if I put things off, then Invariably, I'm chasing my tail. So uh, routine, structure, repeat, routine. I say the same to my clients. Get a routine, get a structure, repeat, 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 repeat. Um, And for me, it's not important for everyone, but for me, routine and structure is very important. Um, And my my diary system is very basic. It's an Excel spreadsheet that I print out because it looks great on the screen, but as soon as I print it out, clients are moving here, there, cancelling, moving, changing the times. So I need a paper sheet arrow here, scrubble there, you know, because that—that for me, that changes quite a lot uh, on a weekly basis. But very basic and simple. Um, I i feel it would be fruitless for me to invest any more in that when that has been utilized and effective for the past quarter of a century. And as my mum used to say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
1: Yeah, That's what came to mind too when you said that. <laughs> um, okay, so, what would be your biggest piece of advice to somebody who wants to own their own fitness studio? Like, if there was something you could tell yourself years ago before you started, what would it be?
2: Well, I, I think I was gifted with the privilege of being very unathletic, and as a result, I have a very fragile body, I'm not designed for sport. The sport I do is powerlifting, which I'm really not designed for, um, and I had to find ways to exercise so that my body could accommodate and adapt to certain activities and exercises now i think one of the problems with certainly when i was starting out in the fitness industry a lot of people who got involved in health and fitness did so because they were already sporty types they were maybe the jock at school um, or somebody who was always fit at track and field and therefore they transitioned into teaching exercise and I think sometimes these people can almost be unaware of their own athletic prowess and how it doesn't always apply to average everyday folk. They say I when I say I've been gifted with poor genetics, what I mean by that is I can totally identify and empathize mm-hmm. with average people that have average bodies and needs very close attention and help, especially if they've not done activities for a long time, and helping them adapt to uh, a sport, even 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 to this day, when I'm training for my sport, I can, for example, you you be aware of what a barbell squat is. Obviously, mm-hmm. my competitors can sometimes squat heavy three times a week. Right now, I, I I do a sport at what I consider quite an elite level. How often do you think my body lets me squat? Mm-hmm.
1: Competitors
2: can do it three times a week.
1: Once a week once a fortnight
2: and if I just followed the bog standard well the strength training program said you should do this and this and this my body would break down I wouldn't be able to do my sport but I learned that very early on and what that done is that learned taught me to be very empathic and very patient with my clients I will listen to what my clients want ignore it completely and give them what they need Because very often what people want is born is driven by unhappiness or panic. I need to fit into a bikini in six weeks. I'm getting married in six months, and I get if, you, if people are unhappy, it's very hard for them to make changes. Mm-hmm. Conversely, if people are happy, it's very easy to suggest changes. So I go by the mantra: if you can get people to exercise and eat, focus focusing solely on the health and the happiness everything else will take care of itself. So my advice would be to be patient and always be on the lookout for people that may be not naturally fit and athletic and be prepared to just give them a little more time to ease into things. You'll be glad you did because from a retention point of view, they'll keep coming a lot longer and they won't be as uh, intimidated by the whole experience as I'm sure you're aware a lot of new people can be.
1: Yes, definitely. I've totally found that people can be super timid, especially when they go into a gym and everyone's, you know, throwing around weights and they're super muscular, whatever. So yeah, I can definitely, there's a big um, community out there who's, who's intimidated by the gym for sure. Um, And so I think it's important to give them a space to be comfortable as well. Um, So with that being said, I think this is a pretty good place to start to wrap things up. That was a great little bit of knowledge to leave us with um but before we do tell us where can we find you what's your website what's your social media
2: yeah my website is busyfit.co.uk and the other uh website is paulrutherford.co.uk
1: awesome perfect
2: okay and then and instagram, and instagram is um at average joe's guide on instagram
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for everything that you shared with us today. We really appreciate your time.
2: You've been right. an absolute pleasure.
1: Yes, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, and to everyone else who listened, we appreciate you too. Um, if you want to be featured on an episode, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out.
0: Thank you for listening to this interview, but... Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview.
3: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Jim Lawrence Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show, we have Mr. Joshua Beeler of The Forge coming to you from Richmond, Indiana. Joshua, what's going on, my man? How are you today?
4: Good. I'm I'm good. How are you?
3: I am doing tremendous. I'm excited to get into this. I'm excited to to pick your brain because we got a chance to, to chat it up a little bit before coming on this conversation. And it sounds like a place that I would train first and foremost. So for the people listening to this that aren't familiar with you or the Forge brand, give us a little bit of context here. How do you describe the Forge? What is this business? What is this gym?
4: Um, it's a gym. We have I train youth population. I also train general population, but my my style is like conjugate method. It's kind of mm-hmm. what I what I run, and um, it's just a place. And it's uh... yeah. So it's it's I mean it's
3: pulling from sort of west side ish methods, if you will. If somebody walked in to the facility today, what would they see? What does this look like?
4: Um, I have a couple of racks, power racks. Um, it's, there's not a lot of equipment. It's a lot of like free weight stuff. We do kettlebells. There are, there's turf and there's some sled drags and some stuff like that. But I mean, you're gonna, for the most part we're all gonna get into some form of you know, squat, hinge, push, pull. Yeah, Sessions are plenty,
3: plenty of fun to be yeah. had nonetheless. This is a a training that's historically at least been applied in the powerlifting realm. But tell us a little bit about your demographic. Are we training competitive powerlifters? Are we training mom and pop type people? Who is who is this for?
4: So yeah, I have I've have clients at 70 years old, but I've also trained down to eight years old. So it's kind of across the board. But so mostly my days are. It's just general population, just general people trying to get stronger and, and move well, move better, um, stay healthy or sometimes even just, you know, you're you're have a bad back, you know. So strengthening the areas that need to be strengthened um, or maybe it's just strength and balances. We're trying to balance people out or i I had to help, you know, things like that or, you know, have a, a busted shoulder, you know, or shoulder injuries and just trying to balance out uh, the body that way. Um, so yeah we're training adults and you know also but also do the uh, like high school and middle school kids so Uh hopefully giving them good movement patterns to where I don't get into the situation where I'm with the general population that has the bad back the bad knee the bad shoulders yeah things like that so
3: yeah yeah, so something for everybody is is what I gather here I want to explore how this came to be, Joshua, because I think origin stories are important in conversations like this. And so take us back, not necessarily to the day that the doors opened on this. Take us back to the day that the the idea popped into your head. I'm going to open up my own business. I'm going to start my own gym. What was going on for you and, and what inspired all of this?
4: So to be honest, I can remember being in fifth grade and waking up at like 6 a.m., and 5 a.m. to watch these shows on ESPN2. It was Body Shaping and Kiana's Flex Appeal. Had I got up a half hour earlier, I would have got Flex Wheeler's show, which I would have rather enjoyed more so. But anyway, I can remember wanting to be in the gym all day and own a gym then. Um, I, you know, then years go by and you kind of, you know, forget about that. But 2018, I got my ISSA, Personal Trainer Certification, and I didn't really do anything with it at the time. And I kind of, I don't know, I had it and I kind of wanted to do that, but then um, didn't get around to it till 2020. Um, But yeah, so I I just, I guess it kind of started 2018. I kind of made that step to get into that. But I guess I didn't want to be in a facility uh, working for somebody else. And at the time, I wasn't sure how to go from there to having my own space. uh, until eventually I just kind of started setting up my own garage for myself and it turned into I have enough equipment. I'm gonna start training youth. And then uh, it turned into I got a few, you know, just normal people in there and just start yeah. building from there.
3: Somewhat organic and and not quite a, a giant leap of faith of I'm gonna spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on this build-out, it kind of happened piece by piece along yeah. the way and slow building this thing from there. When did we officially get into the commercial space that you're in now
4: this was may uh 2022 so just a few months okay, ago so yeah
3: less than less than a year in the commercial space but i want to kind of philosophically look at this before we dive in on the business conversation like, at least within the formalized time may to now that this has been a business what's been your favorite part about running this thing so far and what's been the toughest part about running this thing so far <laughs>
4: Uh, my favorite part is just yeah working with the clients and seeing results and having people you know tell me that they're they've improved their their movement quality their golf game improved Um, definitely like things like my back doesn't hurt anymore you know it's totally you know you've totally kind of helped me out to build that up and um, you know things like that and just seeing the seeing the progress of my clients and then the hardest part was kind of just getting started and charging way too less or way too little and not I guess knowing my worth, but then also mm. not having policies established to for like cancellations. And then that ran into a big issue. Um and then I so I setting yeah. you know, policies and things like that. And that was kind of like probably the biggest one. And even, you know, still having to establish policies as of a, a month ago, you know, yeah, new things.
3: Everybody that listens to this podcast is a gym owner and I think it's important for us to remember that like fitness people and regular people are a different breed. Fitness people live and breathe to go to the gym For everybody else. It's just kind of an item on the to-do list. And so these policies, while unfortunate, uh, are things that we just don't think about when we open up a business like right. this. Same thing with pricing. Pricing is a conversation that you and I could have for hours. Mm-hmm. Albeit not useful to have today, but it's it's something that our industry really struggles with. You mentioned charging your worth. I think it's natural when we open up a business like this. We just want to get some bodies in there. We just want to see some people. And so we'll charge whatever we happen to be charging. Uh, but a lot of the time that that creates bigger roadblocks for us than anything else in the long run. Talk to me a little bit about Uh, in the short time that you've been doing this what's been successful for you to get some people in file it under under marketing or whatever the title we want to put on that but how have you found success in generating interest from potential clients
4: so basically it's just instagram i mean i've put things out there on instagram i started posting my own videos and then you know as i would get clients i would post you know some little snippets of their workouts and it would, you know people would see that um, i opened up or i started a facebook page and that also people are seeing that and then just word of mouth people tell their friends um but also you know people sharing some stuff i make a i'll make a post like on canva and put it out there and people you know repost that that you know this is what this is what i got new going on or this is new policies or new pricing and people put it out there but yeah people just Have shared what you know, anything that I've put out there, and it's word spread.
3: Yeah, Instagram and and I mean social media in general is essentially married to fitness at this point. So much of our industry, regardless of the modality that you choose, lives and dies on social media, and for good reason. Right for the exact same reasons that you mentioned. I can demonstrate what I actually do. I can highlight my clients. People can like it, they can comment, they can share it with their friends. It becomes this organic vehicle that picks up momentum along the way. Have you kicked around, or have you in the past, so far at least, or have you kicked around the idea of potentially advertising on Instagram or or whatever social media platform to further that growth?
4: Mm, Not really. Um, i worked like you know, kind of like I'm, my general population is really, it's, you know, I'm almost on a waiting list at this point for that. Um, what I would like to do is improve or, or build my youth clientele, because those are youth groups. And I can have, you know, more populations in at the same time, and uh, maybe even open up another slot for youth, uh, depending on what it is. But so as far as that goes, um, I think it's getting out there is growing. And I think it's growing at a, at a good rate. And I think so, for what I have, the space that I have and the time that I have, I think it's it's okay for the moment. Okay.
3: So we can we can explore the the capacity side of things and how we can potentially handle more people here in a minute, but I want to pick your brain on the sales process of this and how people actually go about signing up. So somebody reaches out through Instagram, through whatever, interested in training in some capacity. What happens between that moment and when this person is actually signing up for some sort of package?
4: Well, I would tell them they can come in for a free trial session slash consultation. We could run you through some of the movements that I would that we would do perform at the forge. And then from there we could talk about pricing, which there's a per session price. There's also a once a week price and this is based on like a month. so it would be four session. Uh, training block or we have eight sessions 12 sessions and then there's unlimited package as well and that's five days a week Uh, so okay
3: so the goal get them in right first and foremost we want to get them to the facility free trial and then sit down and host that conversation of here's what i think is going to be best for you is that am i am i understanding properly
4: somebody reached out i would give them the pricing And then I would say, this is, this is my pricing. And then would you like to come in for a free consultation or a consultation, maybe, you know, like a movement screen, you know, make sure you have good movement patterns or see if there's something we need to work on. And then, like I said, we would run through a small, you know, kind of a, just a glance at what we would get into um, because it's just a private facility. So there's no, there's not going to be a bunch of people. It's not an open gym. There's not. So yeah, it's kind of like that.
3: So, a little bit more intimate of a conversation. What's your general perspective on sales, Joshua? I, I enjoy asking gym owners about their feelings here because I think that our industry gets a little bit we, we we retract a little bit. We get this like negative connotation. How have you handled that at least so far in your gym owner tenure?
4: Um not sure of the question
3: what is, how do, how comfortable are you in that sort of a conversation? How skilled are you in the art of
4: sales, I suppose, is the way that I want to word that. As far as selling what I, what I offer, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it sells itself when people see the results of my clientele and they, you know, they see, you know, what we do in here, it's, there's no, I mean, there's nobody that walks in the door that doesn't like it. Everybody loves it. You know, it's just, it's the private sector. And for some, it's a, it's a money issue. And for some it's a time issue. Even just just trying to get in the door and whether I'm booked up or not for their time, I think that would be the only issue, but sales wise. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I think. Okay. It's sales- Good. It's-
3: Good. I, I think that there's an important point there And one, it roots back to conviction. You believe in this product, which is really, really important for mm-hmm. us in the sales process. Uh, But two, you mentioned one thing along the way there, that sometimes it's a money issue, sometimes it's X, Y, Z, whatever issue. These are are challenges that we can handle. These are challenges that we can attempt to overcome. But if we're just not talking to the right people, a qualified lead, then we're kind of just burning our tires anyway. Uh, Revisiting the idea of The wait list or or capacity in general. Hypothetically, we signed this person up, they're they're in a time slot now. You mentioned that a lot of the Gen Pop side of things were approaching at least how many total we could handle. So, have you entertained the idea of a bigger facility or expanding with other staff? Or uh, tell me a little bit about, about your ideas of how we continue to grow the business.
5: Yeah.
4: So like I mentioned before, um, I like working with the youth. Um, I have worked over the summer. I worked with a local high school lady basketball team. So we had the whole team in. It was like, well, it's five to seven people each time they were in. That was fantastic. Uh, Coming up, I have a 14U Indiana uh, baseball team coming in. So that's the team that we have eight weeks scheduled out. Um, that's kind of one way I'm getting more people in the door. And that's also um, sponsoring that team and and things like that. So getting some sponsors out there, but um, getting more people in the door. And the facility itself, it's 1,600 square foot. And I'm comfortable with where I'm at at the moment. I don't want to get too big. I don't want to have you know, multiple locations. This isn't like a chain thing that I want to start. Okay. Um, I could, yeah, I would love to maybe at one point, you know, bring somebody else in to to help train and and, to do their thing and, you know, to work together and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. It's, it's a fun question. And I think gym owners, especially when they start as owner operator, like this is. When you first start out and, and I think this is early for you, you are, the head coach, you are the head of marketing, you are the head of sales, you're probably the head janitor, you are all of these things. I think it's natural at a certain point, at least to want to delegate some of this. And coaching is one that we can we can certainly do just because it allows for the business to expand beyond just you. But it sounds like you also still want to be boots on the ground on the training floor as well. I think there's this dichotomy in our industry of people always wanting to either do all of the training or they want to completely get away from training. But I find the best examples of owners and businesses usually have a blend of both. You know, you can work in your business and on your business at the same time. Do you know what I mean?
5: Yeah. I
4: think like you said boots on the ground I feel like you know that only makes me better and not only you know every every situation presents a chance for me to improve my skill as a coach and and improve you know whether I come up with a new way to describe you know this is what it's supposed to be like or you know some coaching cue Um, every situation is a chance for me to learn and get better and then you know as far as continuing education as well but, but yeah you're right yeah so josh big picture this thing with me
3: you mentioned we're not necessarily interested in multiple locations franchising isn't quite in the cards where do you see the future of the forge what's your goal for this thing in the long haul
4: possibly you know maybe a bigger space at some point Um, but it's continuing to grow my youth, my youth clientele is kind of that's where I, that's really what I love. That's my passion is that youth training and possibly even getting into like some elementary school uh, like populations where, you know, we're just doing a lot of um, it could be balanced training and just like crawls and um, all kinds of carries, but make it fun, obstacle courses, things like that. Um, I think that was something that that kids need and to move around a lot. I think they to get to you know, video games and things like that. And, you know, a lot of people aren't eating right. So I think even starting even younger and doing things like that for, you know, shorter sessions and, and just making it fun, tag games, uh, things like that, I think would be a great, a great thing to get into, you know, moving forward as well.
3: Yeah. Now, one kind of final question and and to start to wrap our conversation up here, Joshua, in the pursuit of that, it sounds like Growth is in the cards in a number of different directions, but we're looking to, to build the business nonetheless. What do you think is going to be the biggest hurdle for you? or What do you think could potentially be some challenges that you'll face along the way?
4: Uh, doing it all myself, like you mentioned. Uh, so, so definitely bringing somebody else in at some point would, would be something that would help for sure. And, I mean, yeah. I Who knows?
3: Would, <laughs> we'll yeah. figure it out along the way, I suppose, yeah. you know? Well, Josh, this is uh, this has been a bunch of fun, man. In the short bit of time that we have left, I want to save at least a handful of minutes for you to tell people where they can learn a little bit more about The Forge. You mentioned Instagram. Is there a website or what is that Instagram handle? Where can people connect and find you?
4: Yeah, if it's just you... The Forge Richmond or at The Forge Richmond. And then... Um, I do have, I post a lot of stuff on my Facebook page, which is just Joshua Beeler on Facebook, but um,
3: straightforward
4: yeah. and simple.
3: Joshua, this has been awesome. man. I, I really appreciate gym owners and their willingness to, to give a look behind the scenes and what happens, truly happens with a business like this and, and understanding that it's not all sunshine and rainbows all the time, but these are, these are solvable challenges and things that we can overcome. So My man, I I appreciate your willingness to share and I wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out.
0: Now stick around for the rest of this episode.
1: Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
5: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily Newton, and joining us on the show is Kelly from Rev Fitness Center. Hey, Kelly, what's going on? How are you doing today?
6: Hi, Emily. I'm great. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. We
5: are really, really excited to have you on the show today. But before we dive into the nitty-gritty of what you guys have going on at Rev Fitness Center, tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place.
6: Okay. Well, me starting my gym in the first place actually was quite accidental. Um, I was working at another gym, For probably about nine years, I was their only full-time employee. I showed up to work one day and doors are locked. So I found myself completely out of a job in a blink of an eye, Um, You know, having bills to pay and all that stuff. I was like, okay, what am I gonna do? So I gathered as much information as I could remember about the members and their contact information. And I contacted them and I said, hey, if you're interested, I'm going to open something up, and within three weeks, I I found a local gymnasium, and I rented a room, mm-hmm. and I started my business in a rented room um, for two weeks, and then I found us a location that I could actually open and get us going. So I started with, um, and that was back in 1997. Wow! And I started. I opened my business literally in a room with 13 people, and wow. and built it from there. That's pretty cool.
5: So kind of tell us about your progression from there. So you went to your, to work one day and the doors were locked and you found your own place. You rented a room and you started with 13 clients.
6: Yep. That's it. How
5: have you progressed over the past 27 years or so? Um,
6: well, it's like most other gym owners, um, they're going to tell you it's it's a constant roller coaster. It's not something that you just jump in and, yay, let's go. It's it's a lot. It's a, You have to be in contact with people. You're constantly having to um, look at the way the fitness industry is changing. Mm-hmm. For me, it was more, okay, I opened in a room. Um, from there, I graduated to, I, I found a small location with 600 square feet. And went to Walmart and bought these little plastic steps because that was back in the day where step aerobics was really big. Mm -hmm. Um, And that 600-square-foot room, we grew out of very quickly. So that was one where, okay, I had to find another location. So a mile up the street, I found another location. So I moved from a 600-square-foot building to a, was it 1,200 or 25? I think it was 2,500 square. No, it was... um, oh my gosh, how big was it? Anyway, it was probably, we'll say 1200 square feet. Okay. Um, stayed there for approximately two years, mm-hmm. outgrew that, and then moved into a 3000 square foot location, which was our biggest place ever that we had. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, class sizes were great. Numbers were were growing as far as memberships go. And then, you know, Personal stuff happens, had to downsize intentionally. So now I'm I'm in an 1800 square foot location, downsize, okay. like I said, intentionally. So mm-hmm. now we're able to focus more on the clients again, instead of all the administrative stuff that gym owners go through. Yeah. Um, and here we are, and I'm, I'm loving life. <laughs> good. I love my people. I have like the best people ever.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really cool story. Um, so did you have any experience with business prior to you decided
6: to, you know, start your own, your own, uh, business? Absolutely nothing. I have learned everything on the fly as I go. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I can definitely relate to that. So, um,
5: before we actually get into that, like that part, like what you've learned, what is, give us your elevator pitch. Like what services are you offering your members?
6: Um, you know, I, it's funny when when people call it an elevator pitch because I think all gym owners we like to say, yeah, we offer this. We we give you nutritional consulting. We're gonna give you classes. We're gonna give you this. We're gonna give you that. What I like to tell people is, okay, yes, we offer classes and a wide variety of classes. We have from stretch and flex to pumping up to um, spin classes. We offer step aerobics. So we offer a little bit of everything for class purposes. We mm-hmm. do offer personal training. We do offer nutrition. Um, but I usually tell people, I said, I'm a little biased because it's my place and I love it. So I think you should love it, but I need you to come in and try it for yourself. I, you know, you you can listen to me, but you're going to, th- I'm just saying it because I'm the owner. But usually when I tell people about our place, it's comments that people have said to me, that have made about us and I said you need to come and meet the other people that are here and see what type of facility we are and usually the first class they come they don't leave they come they come and they stay so that makes me very happy (laughs) yeah (laughs) I've had had people with me literally since 1997 still working out with us
5: that is crazy because it's almost my age Um, wow we'll definitely talk about that a little bit later Cause I think that 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 would be very valuable for our listeners to learn about client retention and how to keep people for such a very long period of time, which is great. Right. So let's talk a little bit about marketing. So let's, you know, say that I decided to move to your city, maybe like two weeks from now. And I'm looking for, you know, some of the services that you guys offer. How would I know that you guys are out there and ready to serve me at the highest level?
6: Okay. Um, somebody new coming to town would probably find us on Facebook. Okay. Uh, which would link to the website and everything. Um, but in all honesty, the majority of our membership base comes from word of mouth. So we get a lot of word of mouth, a little bit of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, after COVID, I did bite the bullet and I worked with um, a little marketing company. Well, it's not little, it's it's a larger marketing company, but one of those, okay, this is going to make or break my decision after COVID. Am I going to stay open or am I going to finally bite the bullet and close my doors? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad that I, I worked with them because they brought me people that I wouldn't have met before. Really? And the, all those people stayed with me. So it was an amazing experience for me to work with them. It was something new and it didn't cost me any money up front. So that was Like I said, it was the make or break decision for me.
5: Yeah. So kind of talk us through that decision. Um, You decided to, instead of like holding on to your money, and this was during COVID, right?
6: This was right after, well, this was after COVID when we finally got the the okay to reopen and, and get moving again. So it was either like invest or close your doors? It was, you know, COVID, everyone thinks the beginning of COVID, um, and I'm pretty sure other gym owners and other people starting in the industry would would appreciate this aspect of it. Everyone thinks it was the beginning of COVID. This the effects of COVID hit gym owners specifically. Let's say six months in, seven months in. It wasn't right away because it takes a little bit of time for people to realize. Well, crap! I'm still not going to the gym. I still, you know, I don't want to keep paying for something I'm not utilizing. Um, so the, it was the residual effects for us. So by the time we were able to reopen our doors and we still have overhead to pay, so it's, it's not like, you know, we're skating off Scott, we still have bills to pay. Um, so all of a sudden our membership base drops down to like a quarter of what it was. It's kind of hard to keep paying the bills. And then you all of a sudden get a postcard in the mail saying, Hey, we can help you build your membership. So you make the phone call and hope to God that that's going to work. And it did. And I'm really glad that I made that phone call because mm-hmm. <laughs> it me, I said, if this works, then I know it's my, my cue to stay open. If it doesn't work, then, then I'm okay. Then I, I got myself accustomed to the thought of having to close my doors.
5: Yeah. So I think it would be helpful for the gym owners listening and some of the gym owners listening might even be a similar situation. You decided to, even though you were about to close your doors, you decided to invest money into a marketing company instead of holding onto it. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about your mindset around that?
6: Um, quite honestly, I found a company that I didn't have to come up with the money up front. And that was big for me um, because being in the situation that I was in, I didn't have that money to come up, up front with, Um, because most marketing companies, it's a lot of money up front and to run the Facebook ads and the the sponsored ads and all that, it's, it's a big chunk of money up front. So this particular company that I worked with, um, they actually put all the money in up front and then there's a split at the end. Right. But you don't that That was a big a, a big deciding factor for me is I didn't actually have to put up any money up front.
5: Gotcha, okay. but that never happens unless you pick up the phone and call right? Exactly. Go through with like the their you know the process of kind of betting and making sure they're the right company for you.
6: Absolutely, absolutely. Right.
5: Okay. So I mean,
6: what did they so did they run the ads for you? They did. They did. Okay. They did all the legwork. They did everything. And basically, my job was to keep the people happy and interested when they got here and make them want to stay. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what I did. And okay. they stayed. So, yeah. <laughs> um And I do attribute that also to my existing membership base that I have built. Um, the, so the new people coming in got to meet the, the existing people and see the atmosphere that we create. Mm-hmm. And it, it just was a, they blended very well. Yeah. Okay. I
5: think that's, that's really, really cool. So earlier, kind of going to cycle some back to something that you said earlier, you said that your marketing company was helping you reach people that you never would have met, like without them. Correct. Did you find that, that the the demographic demographic of your gym, just a little bit,
6: or just, you know, added a lot more new people in general. I think it uh, just added. I don't think it changed the demographics too much, um, but I, it definitely added. It, it, there, there was a huge membership boost, most definitely. Um, but I think when I when I refer to them being able to reach people that I couldn't reach, they literally. got people that live here in town that didn't even know we were here (laughs) Ah, so they have the way of of getting those algorithms I don't know on on the social media that us old people (laughs) aren't really great with um and it just makes that easier when you're dealing with people that know the ins and outs of the internet Mm -hmm. and how to how to access those groups of people
5: absolutely so would you say that you know with what you learned from that company you're able to learn to use in 2022 absolutely
6: yes okay.
5: okay so you can now do the i guess the facebook ads uh on your
6: own yeah actually and i do have people it's it's quite interesting so the new people that did come aboard um got to meet a lot of other people that have different skill sets as well mm-hmm. everybody's always wanting to help and contribute which is yeah. huge yeah that's pretty cool
5: yeah so- it's- really cool yeah (laughs) so tell us about like so you're working with a company and they're getting you lots of leads every month right
6: um no it's a one-time thing they come literally come in for a week and a half to two weeks Mm -hmm. and they meet with people they sign them up and then i take over and they're gone oh that's interesting yep so okay
5: the the question still kind of uh, applies How did you handle the growth? Like what systems did you have in place to handle all those people, get them, you know, into a membership package and also keep them happy long-term?
6: Initially, I I ended up having to, because there was such an enormous influx of people all at once, a very short amount of time, Mm -hmm. um, I had to offer some extra classes. Okay. um, And work a lot more hours. (laughs) (laughs) For, for, you know, for the initial input of when they come in, like the first um, 16 weeks, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of extra hours. And then when that 16 week program would be up, then I convert them over onto my membership base and off we go. So it was, I really didn't have any systems in place because I didn't know what to expect. So when they came in, it was kind of like, whoa, what am I doing? (laughs) It was very overwhelming, but also very gratifying at the same time, meeting all these new people and helping them to settle in and be caught. It just, it kind of fell into place. Hmm. Okay. So have you kind of put some systems in place now just to
5: help things run a little bit more smoother so, so you don't have to do like all of the legwork?
6: Um, I do have, um, I have hired a couple of girls that used to work for me many years ago. So I have a couple new instructors, which helps take some of the class load off, Mm -hmm. um, as far as the paperwork goes, um, we pretty much get that done initially. And then there's, there's really not much to follow up on that. That system's already in place as far as all the, the registration forms and the memberships and the, um, the fees and everything. It's kind of, it's kind of a smooth running system for that.
5: Okay. Good. Good. So earlier we talked about the longest client that you've had is for, did you say 27 years?
6: Um, let me tell her name is Claudia. I told her I was going to talk about her today. As a matter of fact, she is 87 years old. She has been working out with me (laughs) for over 40 years. And she is here at the gym three times a week, two classes a day, she literally kicks ass. And she's eighty-seven years old. Everybody looks at Claudia, and she's like, "They're like, if Claudia can do it, we can do it. We have no excuses." Um, and she's just a little amazing lady. And she was in my very first class that I've ever taught ever in my life, and she's still with me today.
5: That's awesome. So, what type of, I guess, strategies or you know, tips do you have for? the gym owners that are struggling with keeping clientele, keeping clientele um, for a very long time?
6: I, I think that a lot of um, newer gym owners coming into the industry potentially go into it thinking it's going to be a huge moneymaker. Um, and which, I mean, it, it can be, but I think that might be the wrong attitude to go into it with. Um, I think you need to keep it real for your clients. And if they sense that you're kind of disingenuous in any way, you're not going to have the membership retention. Um, I think people need to know that you're real. You're a person like they are. You eat, you drink, you, you know, you snore, you do all the, the, the things that they do as well. You're not this, you know, cookie cutter, ripped up personal trainer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important that, that. People go into it being very genuine, genuinely wanting to help people, wanting to help them achieve their fitness goals and their health goals. Not necessarily that they're in it because that person's paying a membership.
5: Got it. So being authentic and just
6: genuinely caring to people about caring about people, like you said. Yeah, I think I think that's huge. I think that's the biggest thing that has helped us stay open as long as we have. Yeah.
5: So, do you think there's anything about you know like the client journey or the client experience that has helped you? Because I'm if you have one person that stayed for you know almost thirty years, I'm assuming you have lots of people that are that have been there for years and years and years. Yes. So, would you say that there's anything you you've done with the client journey that's helped you keep people for a long time as well?
6: Um. I think it, that's it's a really hard question to answer because I guess I just want to say, well, yeah, we did everything right. <laughs> but no, again, it's that roller coaster. I'm sure i've I've really irritated people through the years, and people have been with me through the years see me grow and change, and they've seen me be moody, they've seen me be, you know, oh yeah, she's so happy all the time. That's not true. I'm not. Yeah. Um, but I think the comment that I hear a lot from people that um, come up to me is that they like me because I'm, they say I'm real. You're like a real person. You're not that, that Barbie doll trainer that you see over at. Yeah. I'm not going to mention other gyms, but, um, but you're real. You, you tell us about your experiences at home. You tell us funny stories about your cats and your dogs. You tell us about your husband. I talk about stuff and, and I, I don't believe in the whole deprivation thing. So when I'm training them, I am straight up honest with them. I said, I don't believe that you have to sacrifice to be healthy and fit. You can live and be a real person. It's, you know, life's too short to be miserable. You should be enjoying what you're doing when you're working out. And I think by somebody being honest with them like that, I think it helps tremendously for people to come in and stay.
5: Yeah, I I definitely uh, appreciate that way of approaching things. So let's talk a little bit about challenges, your goals, and, you know, just the future in general. Um, Would you say that there's anything that you guys are working on overcoming in this present moment?
6: Um... Not necessarily because we did just have an influx of new people in. So we're, we're very busy at this particular time. So I think right now is the, the biggest hurdle is possibly offering some more classes. So if there were more hours in the day, it would be wonderful.
5: (laughs) More hours in the day. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe offering some more of like the group X classes that you have. Yes. Yep okay Rubik's classes anything else I know you um, the nutrition coaching and like you have lots of other services that you offer
6: we do but quite honestly I think what draws people here and what makes them stay is the camaraderie so they're meeting so many other new people and they become friends very quickly and there's a there's a huge inner circle like support system that I'm not even involved with so yeah. that's the the members themselves just they um They meet other people that are in similar situations that they're in, and they make bonds very quickly. Mm -hmm. It's a very comfortable atmosphere, and I think that people sense that. Um, So like I said, I'm kind of not even involved in that. They make their own little community circles, which is nice. not clickish. It's not clicky at all, Um, but it's like their inner support system here. Gotcha.
5: Gotcha. Okay.
6: So before
5: we, you know, went on air, we were talking a little bit about what some of your goals are. And I think you said that you want to like help more people, right? Correct. Yeah. So what does that kind of paint a vision for us about what that looks like? Like help more people. We know what that means, but kind of like, from your perspective, what would that look like at your
6: gym? Um, I think for us, and I, and i have to go back to covid because covid has really changed a lot of people's mindsets um for many different areas and i think there's so many people struggling still i don't want to ne- necessarily say with depression but people are people are having issues just kind of going back into the whole um integrative system of being around larger groups of people um and going back into society and circulating and stuff and I think that we've been able to help a lot of people over that hump and to be able to help them feel better about getting moving again and being around people again so I think our focus moving forward is to help more people that are feeling housebound still because there's still a lot of people in that situation so our goal is to help them say, come on down. You're going to like it. It's comfortable. It's, it's not like, it's not a typical sweat fest gym. It's, mm-hmm. it's, just a, I, it's all I can say, is you have to come down and experience it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that with, with a lot of other gym owners too, um, it's the same thing. It's like, you gotta, you gotta get people in the door for them to experience what you have to offer them. That's true. That's true. So
5: with that being said, I know you said you guys just got a new influx of clients. How many more people with like the the square footage that you guys have now? How many more people could you hold?
6: Um, we could probably hold probably maybe another, I would say 50. I wouldn't want to go more than that because I lose folk. I not I personally, but as a club, we would lose focus on what our, our goal is, is to make sure people are getting their individual care and mm-hmm. individual treatment, but at the same time in a group. So if we have too many people, then we're gonna lose sight of that. And we also like to focus on it, people's individual goals. Okay, that makes sense.
5: So still wanna figure out figure out a way to keep it, uh, what's it really for? Like you said, personal. people want, yes, personal and tailored.
6: Yeah. See, I I know pretty much everyone who comes in my door. I know them personally. I can, I can refer to them as their name, um, which amazes some people, but at the same time, I'm like, I know everybody who comes in my building and I do that for a reason. I I learn a little bit about them personally. So not to be intrusive, but I know about them, you know, if they're married, if they have kids, if they have kid activities and things Mm -hmm. like that going on, um, I make it a point to know pretty much everybody who comes in because then then when they don't come in they get text message from me where are you why are you not here
5: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what is your what is your goal like what is your role in your business like are you still doing like a lot of the hands-on things yeah classes
6: yeah i, am. I am actually it's it is pretty much almost all me I do have a couple of girls that um teach a couple of the classes for me. When I say a couple, I mean literally a couple. (laughs) Um, I have a young lady, my Linda, she teaches two classes for me and she's fabulous. One of the best instructors ever. Um, I have Liz, she's an older woman. She's 66, but will kick your butt as an instructor. And she also teaches two classes for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's four off of my plate. But other than that, it's pretty much me. (laughs)
5: Yeah. So have you ever thought about how you would like your how or if you would like the your role to change a little bit in the future
6: I would love if one of the girls um decided that it's something they would like to take over and I would I'd be very happy with that if I knew that they would continue on um with the same values that we have had through the the past several years if they could maintain that and have the same um outlook then i would be like absolutely i'd be happy for you to take it over really well not like right now but <laughs> hopefully whether, within the next 5 years or so i i wouldn't mind thinking about the whole retirement thing it's it's been a long time <laughs> yeah so i mean
5: 5 years from now let's say you retire and you found somebody to kind of who's passion, who is as passionate about fitness as you are and also somebody who has the same values what would you do with all of the time that you would have back.
6: Um, you know, that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, I haven't actually thought about it because it never seems like it's going to happen. Because it seems like this is something I'm probably going to be doing forever. <laughs> yeah, I know that sounds silly, but I never really think that far in advance because I can't see myself outside of this setting at this particular point it's kind of what I, it's, it's what I do. It's who I am.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And the reason that I asked that is because a lot of the times, and this is me like speaking from personal experience is that I had to learn how to, you know, define my identity outside of health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't want to get like so caught up that, you know, if I ever wasn't able to train, I'll be like, uh, what am I supposed to be doing with my life now? You know? Right.
6: Right. All right. I- and I think that's what happens when you're in it for so long. Like I have been, I've been teaching yeah. for yeah, longer than you've been alive. Um, <laughs> so it, sometimes it it does kind of overwhelm who you are. It's, it's what you are and it's what you become, but I wouldn't trade it in. I love it. I mean, it's, that's my life. And I have some wonderful people that I surround myself with. So yeah, that is beautiful. Well,
5: before we wrap things up on this episode, would you mind giving our listeners just one piece of advice that you wish you would have had starting out.
6: Hmm. Don't quit. Hmm. Don't quit. Just yeah. look forward and keep going and keep learning. Don't, don't close your mind off to anything. You have to be open to suggestions and open mm-hmm. to change. Yeah. Very, very well
5: said Kelly. Well, Before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you.
6: We are located in Sutton, Massachusetts. We have a website. It is um, uh, RevFitness1.com. We are also on Instagram, mostly on, on Facebook, though, and that is under Rev Fitness Center.
5: Alrighty. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and contribution to our podcast today. And we're really looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to continue to accomplish down the road. So to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Edwards
0: out.